0: We've talked about RAD, Reactive Attachment Disorder, on Ask Dr. Gill before. Today, I have a very special guest, Esther Prelog, who is going to tell us more about this condition and how to treat it, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Ask Dr. Gill. As I mentioned in the introduction, I have a guest today, Esther Prelog, who is a psychotherapist. Welcome to the program, Esther. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: I am a licensed uh, counselor in Oregon and I have a master's degree in counseling with a youth and child specialization. And um, we do neurofeedback, so I know a bit about that. And EMDR and I've been working with trauma for about 10 years
0: awesome awesome so we you know this podcast is we're focusing on reactive attachment disorder or rad and can you tell us a little bit about what rad is and how to recognize it sure
1: so during the first three years of life primarily during the first 12 months of life but during the first three years of life so much important brain developing is going on. And reactive attachment disorder always stems from trauma, abuse, neglect, or disruption uh, in the attachment between a baby and a primary caregiver. And um, that could also be because of chronic pain. Um, The brain doesn't know the difference. So it's gonna be stemming from a disruption in that first three years of life
0: um chronic pain in the in the baby is what you yes. mean yeah yeah okay it,
1: it could also be you know it doesn't necessarily have to be um a, a purposeful abuse
0: got so it got it so yeah it no, be, that makes sense
1: yeah it could be from a an illness or colic um and uh, reactive attachment disorder is a spectrum disorder so that we're going to see a variety of symptoms and some will be really extreme and others might be mild. So, so
0: what, what might some of those symptoms be?
1: Uh, symptoms could be anything from, um, as a kid gets older, you know, lying, manipulative behaviors, lack of empathy is gonna be a big one. Mm-hmm. And it could be violence, rage, uh, killing animals and things like that. So, really, but um going back to what happens with babies, I think a great way to understand attachment is a story that someone told me when um she went, she was an adoptive mom and she went to check out the orphanage where she was going to be adopting her child. And it was a really awesome orphanage, um, great staff, clean. And uh there were nuns working there, very kind people. But you know, the they were doing the very best they could, the staff was. And the mom said, this place is so great, but um, tell me something, why is it so quiet? And uh, the staff person looked at her with very sad and sullen face and said, they usually stop crying after about a week or two. Oh, wow. So the babies, they're coping. So babies will cry and that's a plea. Help me relieve my, my stress, my distress, my wet diaper. And for them, it's you know it's life or death. And once the babies are crying, saying "Please help me, please help me," they learn that that's not going to get their needs met, and so they'll stop. And so, fast forward years later, and we'll see a seven-year-old client who can't ask for help, um, doesn't cry when they get hurt, doesn't understand other people's sadness. So that makes sense.
0: You and I, I mean, you and I have talked about this in terms of, because I work on the medical side of, of, of the RAD. And when I first started seeing patients with RAD, I noticed they didn't have a lot of physical symptoms.
1: Yes. And, and I think yeah. that's exciting. I, I get excited about that. The, the body is just really in this fight or flight. Um, mm-hmm. What happens to the brain, as you all well know, um, frontal lobe is lower functioning. Um, really, that logic and reason and cause and effect and and the 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 brain and the body are in this survival pattern, um, and they, it gets stuck there just as a way to survive. And so, most of the kiddos I see don't have any um, glaring medical issues. And once they start healing, they'll get sick for their first time. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about getting sick, having the flu or a fever, you need someone to care for you. Right. So it's right. a very strange thing that we get very excited as kids are starting to heal. They'll, they'll they'll get a fever or have the flu, and then their moms or dads can take good care of them during that time.
0: Right. Yeah, it is kind of funny. I, I'm I'm smiling about this because I remember the first time I I said that to a, a mom with a the patient had rad. And the I, the kid came in with a fever, and I was like, yay. And the mom looked at me like I had three heads, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, no, this is good news.
1: Yeah, so, it's so exciting. Yeah. Like I'll, I had a mom say to me, uh, he just threw up for the first time in his whole <laughs> life. He's 15 years old. He's never thrown up before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and we were all so happy. So how do you differentiate the, how do you recognize this actually Let, let's start there like I'm so, a, you know yeah go how
1: ahead are we di- how are we diagnosing it um, yeah yeah I'm gonna go on a tangent it's it's a uh, I I listen to parents a lot of times kids are presenting a hundred percent differently in public than they are in private so it's really about listening to the parents parents are feeling overwhelmed um, and it's Tricky to recognize, so I'll have I'll see clients that are very polite, kids that are very polite and even compliant, um, but they're dysregulated. They don't have the ability to self-soothe and they lack empathy, Um, and so it's really working with parents and helping them uh, to understand that this is brain damage. I I wish people would look at RAD just like they would look at any other illness, like autism or ADD. And uh, so I listen to parents. That's the number one way that we're going to diagnose it and um, look for that lack of empathy is probably the number one thing that we're looking for.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, and by the way, just for the listeners, um, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Esther, but if you look up rad in say Merck manual or in dsm and then also kind of what you do like there's different definitions of rad mm-hmm. you know, the, core, the core the core is around some form of neglect or trauma at an early in early childhood but there doesn't seem to be one definition Is am i correct about that
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's not well understood it's tricky
0: yeah. and a,
1: I, a lot of clinicians a, a lot of clients that i'm seeing parents are saying we've been to three or five or 10 different therapists that did not diagnose it. It's, mm-hmm. it's tricky to diagnose. and It's not well understood in the community.
0: What are, It's very
1: isolating for parents to, yeah. to deal with that.
0: Yeah. And what are some of the other diagnoses that you've heard parents say and you've said, no, this isn't what that is. It's, it's rad. Um, yeah.
1: You can add to this list, but, uh, ADHD, um, ODD, uh, learning disabilities. I've seen those things go away, uh, with treating attachment disorder.
0: Right. And ODD for, for people out there is uh, oppositional defiant disorder. Mm -hmm. And, and that's something that we have talked about on a number of occasions and sort of how do you distinguish between rad and ODD? And, you know, is there a, is there a quick thing out there that we can talk about as to what the differentiation is. Cause a lot of the behaviors would be the same on the surface, at least particularly as the kid gets older.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. I was talking to a colleague about this and she told me a funny story. She she just said, uh, rad kids, they may act like gamblers. Um, they're stuck in a loop and they get, they do these behaviors, but it's not necessarily for a certain outcome. Uh, they, they, in fact, they'll often get a negative outcome. Uh, and ODD kids, I, what I notice is that there's a, a purpose to their behavior. It's always going to be early childhood trauma. So if that's not there, then it's not rad. Um, often we're seeing kiddos with ODD that have secure attachments and possibly a permissive type environment. So maybe overindulgence or, um, it's going to be anger.
0: Okay. That, so I,
1: that's... I won't, I won't de- diagnose unless there's some disruption in the attachment in early childhood. So that's one difference between ODD and rad, but, but the you... rad kiddos sometimes they're getting a, a certain wanted outcome for their behavior. Sometimes not always.
0: Mm-hmm. Almost like there's a compulsion behind the behavior as opposed to the ODD kids might be doing something to manipulate the situation around them. Is that possibly, I mean, it's not like, I mean, I've had rad kids come in and they're, they're definitely trying to manipulate things around them as well.
1: Yeah, they can do that. They're just stuck in this loop where, Sometimes they're looking for a certain outcome, definitely. Uh, those, those, RAD and ODD can overlap quite a bit.
0: Okay, that's uh, fair.
1: So it's, but, but I'm, look, I look for a secure attachment. Does the person have the ability to attach to anyone?
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh.
1: And is it a genuine attachment?
0: Okay. So empathy, maybe? Is that,
1: yeah, oftentimes the ODD kids have remorse. Um, it just depends. Every person is so different. It's hard to say. But, Got it. But in either either, either way, uh, when we're treating attachment disorder versus ODD, versus ADHD, versus uh, autism, we're, a lot of the treatment is going to look the same.
0: We're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll talk more with Esther about reactive attachment disorder and the treatment for it, so stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to Ask Dr. Gill. I am your host, Dr. Gill Winkleman, and I am speaking with Esther Prelog, licensed professional counselor here in Oregon. Um, before we continue with her, I just want to remind people that if you have any questions, you can send an email to info, I-N-F-O at askdrgill.com. And at the end of the program, I'll also give you Esther's contact information in case you want to talk to her or look her up directly. I also want to remind people I am working on an e course, the topic of which is pyrrole disorder or pyroluria, which is tangentially related to RAD. We see a lot of pyrrole uh, symptoms and actually pyroluria uh, in reactive attachment disorder. But let's get back to Esther. And so, Esther. Let's talk about how you treat rad from the psychology the psychotherapy point of view.
1: So even with the the best most effective therapy, I cannot fix this in an hour a week. So <laughs> <laughs> parents will do all the heavy lifting or the caregivers will right. do all the hefty, heavy lifting and really um we look for a child's developmental age in their emotional age and so um, the brain is getting stuck and there's some damage during those formative years and typically we'll see kids at a infant or toddler stage and so how would you how would you treat a toddler um, it's and, really- and, and,
0: and let me just clarify when you say sure. toddler stage you don't mean that they're actual toddlers that you're doing therapy with but developmentally but but in general you're it, what you're saying is developmentally though yes is, is usually, yeah okay
1: usually yeah. I, we'll see kids as you know that are 8, 10 even in their teen years that are having a lot of um, emotional regulation problems mm-hmm. uh, as if they were a, a little kid so I search for the age kind of where they are emotionally and that's often in that toddler kind of stage where they're having meltdowns, they're easily dysregulated, overwhelmed, confused. Um, and the premise of, of successful therapy, I think, revolves around nurture and structure. And um, just like you would with a toddler, um, you would make their world smaller this is the part where it's really hard for caregivers because it can be seen by our culture as uh, abusive or overly controlling. And that's not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about helping kids get to be, conquer their own worlds. And in order for them to be able to heal and conquer their world, they need a small world to do that. If that makes sense. And so
0: totally, totally
1: really helping, helping them. Um, with structure and routine, so if you had, a, let's just say you had a two-year-old that kept trying to touch the stove, you wouldn't give them a long lecture about why that's dangerous. You would say no and move them. And so it's difficult for caregivers, but it's a total restructuring of the household. And then you wouldn't take your, your two- or three-year-old to a rock concert. So we can't take dysregulated teenagers to things like that either. Mm-hmm. It, it's too hard for them to... So really focusing on regulation and uh, parenting and and caregivers, they all need to be on the same page to send this message of you're safe. And it's action oriented. I can't stress that enough. If you you took an adult um, that got in five car accidents that were of no fault of their own, you wouldn't say to them, you're safe. You can drive. The road's safe. They wouldn't believe you. I think actually some talk therapy can do more damage. Hmm. Um, every, everything we do needs to be action-oriented and kind.
0: I, I really like this a lot, and, it, and it's great that you're explaining that the way that you just did because it's as far as setting up the environment of a toddler. Because from my perspective as a naturopath, you know we look at the the development of the body that the organ systems develop over time and i should do another bodca- uh, podcast about this but you know for example between conception and two that's when adrenals are adrenal kidney is is sort of developing which is has to do with survival mode and 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 routine and regulation so you have an injury at that age in a rad case right I mean, that's basically what you're saying is is that Mm -hmm. there's some there's trauma, physical or otherwise, and there's a dysregulation that goes on and and fast forward to adulthood, well, you can't regulate your adrenals very well. And this is true in someone, even if they're not rad, right? So one of the treatments for that that I give adults is is you need a regular bedtime, you need to eat meals at a regular time, you know, don't don't vary your schedule. Don't have, you know, work swing shift and day shift, you know, that sort of thing, because that's going to disrupt your, any healing that happens with the adrenals. And that's kind of what you're saying here with these kids, like keeping this.
1: That's right. And and it's actually exciting because if we just look at it as just how you would treat anything. uh, And then if you think about an adult who has adrenal fatigue or some health problems that you're treating in your, in your office. And if you have a patient and you're saying to them, don't work too much and don't stress too much, well, what ends up happening to those bodies that are stressed out when they have, quote, downtime? That's what, usually when they get sick. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Totally, totally. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, the analogy is, is the reason that if you have ba- a couple of bad nights sleep in a row and, then you have a, and, and you're functioning fine and then you have this good night's sleep and the next morning you're tired, Right? You're, ti- mm-hmm. you're feeling tired, not because you had a good night's sleep. You're feeling tired because your body said, oh, I can, I, I got rest. I can, I can start some healing processes and that takes right. energy. Yeah. So, wow, that's awesome. That's really awesome. Is there anything else that you would really like people to know about rad in general, as far as either recognizing it or treating it or uh, healing, you know, if they think, oh, maybe I have that, you know, <laughs> right
1: well there's a ton of hope and healing out there and that it's uh controversial maybe maybe that's the wrong word but it's a taboo i i just see so many uh tired and sick parents coming in doing the very best they can in every way and it's not working and so and they and there's not a lot of support you know in in the culture around this issue And so if I, if I had one thing to tell parents and caregivers, it would be, you know, there's hope and get help because treatment does work, but it needs to get treated. It will, will not go away on its own. And, and you're not alone because so many, so many parents come in and think, you know, what did I do wrong? Uh, Especially if their kids aren't adopted or traumatized at an early age, what did I do wrong? Really, just kind of stepping back and looking at it like you would look at any other illness. And then you would treat any illness very early on. So I would tell parents and caregivers don't wait. Don't wait. And it is therapy too.
0: Yeah. Sure. I, I think that's a great message about not waiting. I mean, from my perspective, you know, a lot of the treatment that I do on the physical side to help you know the and and I consider what I do in terms of rad very much an adjunct therapy but you know in terms of helping calm the body down it's really hard to get kids or teenagers rather to take vitamin supplements you know mm-hmm. on, a, on a regular basis you know it's hard in the best of conditions because they're kind of scatterbrained and all over the place so in a RAD case, it's like better to do it before they hit their teenage years. Um,
1: uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's going to be that way with every intervention. It's just going to be easier uh, when it's done earlier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a,
1: the, the treatment needs to be brain, heart, body. It's a really holistic
0: approach. I like that, given that that's sort of my logo and the heart, body, brain <laughs> right? aspect right. of things. Yeah, I, I think that's great. Well, I wanna thank you so much for joining me today. And um, um, I'm, I'm hoping that people will have questions about this and they can send e- an email in to info info at askdrgill.com um, which actually reminds me, uh, Esther, you have a website and people may have want, you know, want to get information about this for, from your site because you probably have a lot more information about it than I do on mine. What is the, your URL? Pa-
1: PacificCN.com. So Pacific Counseling and Neurotherapies. We're still working on adding some information to the website.
0: Great. That's Pacific, P A C I F I C C N.com. Esther, thanks so much for joining us on the program today. This is, I hope, very helpful for uh, patients and for the listeners. And if you have specific questions, again, you can email them to info, info at askdrgill.com or go to Esther's website and see if there's information there that could be helpful as well. And that's all we have today. And we'll look forward to catching up next week. Thanks so much.